This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. NBA Sound System Live, up and running. Carlin Gay, alongside Scott Rafferty. We are here across the NBA Global Networks, L-I-V-E Live, each and every single Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Scott, what's going on, my man? All's well on my end. I can't complain today. It's uh, We've had some rain. feels like nonstop in Charlotte the last week, 10 days. And today, it, it's sunny. It's nice outside. And, you know, that just, that just picks up the energy level. So I, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not bad. You and I in Charlotte, we have had some rain. Uh, we are finally seeing a little bit of sun, but it's not as bad as some of the rest of the uh, United States has got hammered with uh, some of this cold and uh, snowstorms and everything else that's been going on the last week. And then uh, prayers to the people in Texas who have uh, struggled in that state as well. So it could be a lot worse than what we're experiencing, and uh, hopefully it's it turning around for everybody. Um, but we'll spend a little while here talking some NBA basketball and bring some uh, some some joy to uh, some people's lives. And uh, All Star reserves are going to be announced today, so we'll talk about that. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the, on the on the Nets. I almost said New Jersey Nets on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, <laughs> see where they land, uh, and in your mind currently, because we haven't seen them play with KD in the big three in a while, but they're they're still winning games and big games at that. And then a month away from the trade deadline, Scott, um, rumors are starting to pick up a lot around the NBA. I want to get your thoughts on that. But first, we got to start with some uh, with some news around the league. Uh, first things first, we we talk about trade deadline. The buyout market is also going to be. Uh, it's going to be heavily, I guess, um, populated with maybe some popular players and some um, some decent talent. Uh, Boogie Cousins is one of them who is now in that market. DeMarcus Cousins has been released by the Houston Rockets to go, go in different directions, both those teams. Uh, in his time in Houston, Boogie has played well enough, to, for me anyway, to believe that another team will take a chance on him. I just don't know what the role will be for him. Um, so he, he just got released. Uh, they, they guaranteed his contract, which was a nice thing to do. They didn't have to do that. Um, and all the reports out of Houston uh, is that Boogie Cousins was, you know, uh outstanding citizen he he was uh you know a model teammate and everything else so they're setting him up to at least get picked up in another role um it's not the boogie cousins that was an all-star right like th- this isn't the same guy that was 20 and 10 um dominating the paint in years past he's going to be coming off the bench somewhere uh for for another team barring injury for for their frontline center 25 games this year under 10 points under 10 rebounds and he didn't really shoot the greatest from the field. So how much does Boogie truly have left in the tank? And what can he give a potential playoff team? It's a it's a tricky question because I, he did have some moments with the Rockets. Uh, I, I remember that 28 and uh, 17 game, I think it was, in that big win over the Mavericks. He's had some double-double sprinkled in there. He, he still had you know a few games where he caught five from, from three. Um, it's just kind of the consistency that we... We expected from him when he was in those all-star days, he, he's obviously not capable of doing that anymore. But in a bench role, I, I think there is a team out there that could probably use him. Um, to be frank, I, Cousins is always just someone that I've kind of rooted for. I always loved his game when he was with the Sacramento Kings. And then that 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 one full season that he had with New Orleans next to Anthony Davis, where just before he had that injury, it looked like they were kind of reaching their, their ceiling together or they, they'd figured it out. He's always been someone I've really enjoyed watching play. Um, I was excited about him when he went to the Warriors. Obviously, that didn't work out. And he's just had a really unfortunate run of injuries, really, in the prime of his career. So I, I hope for his sake that he, he can kind of, you know, obviously he's not the player, like you said, that he used to be, um, but that he can find a role outside of Houston right now um, and just latch onto a team and, and find some kind of role off the bench for a team and make a difference because it, it, it would be nice to see even if he's never going to go back to that player that he once was. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, I'm with you. I, th- I think there is something left in the tank for him. Um, I, I just don't know where that will be. There's a lot of teams out there uh, that could potentially use a big man, but I think there's a lot of teams that, like I think about the Raptors, for example, right? They could use yeah. a big man, but they pl- their best five is 
playing small. And I think that would be the same for Boston in that category. There's so many teams in that in that realm where they could use a big man. They could use a DeMarcus Cousins, but their best basketball is with a, a small ball unit. So I don't know how willing he might be to go to some of these teams and, and kind of sit and watch uh, when he can't contribute. Because essentially that's what he was doing in Houston. And it sounds like, if the reports are true, that both parties decided to, to move on. So... Uh, what would change for Boogie other than maybe him being on a winning team? Is is, is he going to be happy to just sit on a bench on a winning team versus what he was doing in Houston? Or well, defensive-minded big, by the way. I, I think a lot of teams, uh, if you're a center in the NBA today, it, it's kind of like you need to either be a rim protector, three-point shooter, um, or you're that red center who can kind of do everything and kind of handle everything on offense, which Boogie used to be able to do. I mean, he used to be one of the best passes at the center position, one of the best shooters at the center position, but... Um, and post-up players, but th- 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 he's no longer that player. So it, it is a little tricky given his skill set right now and the role that he would play. Um, going back to your question, I-, I-, I do think he'd be willing to accept that role because I-, I-, I would like to think that he knows he's no longer capable of being that number one or number two option on offense um, and that if he is going to you know, play in the NBA for another three, four, five, ten years, whatever the case may be, that he's going to have to kind of find a role for himself off of the bench, whether that is like a, a microwave scorer, or you know, a pinch hitter, a guy who can start in games when there's an injury to the starting center or something like that. Um, I, I think he will buy into that role. Um, I'd like to think so anyway. Um, and if he can, I mean, he, he's still super talented. Again, can we see that consistency, consistency from him on a night-to-night basis where he's given a team a scoring punch off the bench or anything like that? I think that kind of remains to be seen. But I, I would like to think that he could latch on somewhere and that a team could use. Because I, I do think his, his primary... Um, you know what he brings to a team is going to be scoring some kind of playmaking um, almost in that role that he da- did have with the Golden State Warriors just just kind of coming off the bench so I, I do think he would be accepting of that role don't you yeah I, I think so too I hope so uh, at least and uh, but the one thing we could say about Boogie before we tie a nine on this is that it's good to see that he's healthy um, it's been a while yep. since we've been able to say that obviously he's not uh, of the uh, the skill set that he had prior to the injuries is just isn't there anymore his body has taken a beating over the last couple of years but he has been healthy this season um moving on to the minnesota timberwolves and uh ryan saunders ryan saunders no longer the head coach of the minnesota timberwolves uh they fired him and moved on pretty quickly in hiring raptors head coach chris finch to raptors assistant coach rather chris finch to uh become the head coach of the minnesota timberwolves kind of happened at a blink of an eye they lose to the knicks saunders is out they already have a new coach on a multi-year deal uh there was a lot a lot to unpack here so the first there's the the saunders firing um then there is the finch hiring uh, then there is the lack of, um, I guess, interviewing uh, of, of different candidates, and more specifically, a guy that is currently on their bench in uh, in, in David Vanderpool. Um, a lot of support around the NBA for Vanderpool, including um, Damian Lillard, who was very outspoken about the uh, the lack of opportunity given to him. Um, he is uh, the associate head coach for the Timberwolves, or was under Ryan Saunders. Uh, he had been with the Blazers uh, prior to that as an assistant coach and also uh, as an assistant coach for Seska Moscow in uh, in Russia. And if you know anything about Seska, that's one of the biggest clubs in Europe um, that is playing at a high level and, and helped them to a EuroLeague championship in 2008. So he has experience. It's not like he is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just walking off the court here and, and then sitting on a bench. He does have a ton of experience. Um, and like I said, was the associate head coach for this team. Uh, 47 years of age, many people wonder when he'll get a shot. So before we, we talk about Vanderpool, let, let's look at what is going on with this, the Timberwolves here. Because it, it sounds like a lot of miscommunication, a lot of mess, and, and it's kind of all falling on Carl Towns. Like a lot of these questions had, he had to answer today in his press conference and reading some of his quotes, he, he answered them perfectly. But this Timberwolves team, worse than the league, uh, they, they fire their coach. They're looking to add a new one. They're not going to have much practice time to get better. It's just a weird situation in Minnesota, isn't it? It is a really weird situation. And it's it's funny to think that coming into this season that they were kind of being discussed as a team that that could kind of make a playoff push because it's it's been a, they've kind of been building up to this with that trade for D'Angelo Russell, kind of creating that, that two-headed monster with him and Carl Anthony Towns, surrounding them with young players and seeing if they can kind of rise up the Western Conference standings. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Um, there's been a number of reasons why. Carl Anthony Towns missed a lot of time. 
Um, D'Angelo Russell is out with an injury right now, and I think he's going to miss a few more weeks, um, potentially up to a month with that injury. And obviously, if you don't have those two players, I mean, I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I remember seeing like the amount of games and minutes they played alongside each other since they acquired D'Angelo Russell is is minuscule which is uh, crazy to think about. And obviously this team is built around them and it's really hard to know what they're working with or what their future is without seeing them together. So it, it's been an unfortunate start to this season for them. Um, you know, it, it still very looks very much like they're, they're kind of playing the long game. Um, Anthony Edwards, I think he got off to a really slow start. He's picked it up lately. I, I like what he has shown. So I think they have some intriguing pieces, but I just don't know that I don't think they're as far along as they, they thought they would be, um, you know, 12 months ago, even six months ago. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at the situation like this. I, I am. Uh, I don't I don't think I'll sit here and, and defend, um, you know, the the firing of uh, or, or not defend the firing of Ryan Saunders. Uh, I mean, it, it, the team is the worst in the league. They didn't look like they were going trending in the right direction. So I get it. Uh, I, I totally get it. The dismissal it happens. This is pro sports. It comes with the territory, uh, and you got to lo- look to move into the right direction. If you're Minnesota, um, they're seven and twenty-four right now, Scott, on a four-game losing streak. They play yep. tonight, I believe. Uh, they, they have a game uh, on Tuesday at the time of recording this. Uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> so that's that's a tough out for them uh, with Chris Finch, who is uh, who's, who's going to be coaching his first ever game um, for for the Timberwolves. But I think what most people are upset about is the is the lack of uh, I guess opportunity for their Vanderpool, who is on their bench as a black coach in the league. Um, th- there was a summer uh, that we we went through this where uh, the discussion was around the lack of uh, black coaches being given the opportunity to, uh, to to kind of take over these jobs, and this looked like a situation that would be tailor made for any coach. Uh, doesn't matter the skin color; it looked like it would be tailor made for any coach. Uh, your your head coach gets fired. You're the associate head coach. And that should be at least your job on an interim basis, and it wasn't the case. And that's the optics of it just does not look good. I don't know whether or not Vanderpool uh, is is fit for the job. I don't know. I I, I have no idea. Uh, only those in the Minnesota Timberwolves organization do know that. But I will tell you that it does not look good when he's sitting there on your bench, and to us, you don't even interview him and give him an opportunity to prove himself as the head man, and you go outside of the organization to hire someone else on a multi-year deal. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, and seconds away, seconds after you fired your coach, uh, you already announced that you had a multi-year deal with someone else. All of that does not look good. Um, so I, I would sit here and tell you, shame on the Timberwolves for the way that went down. Uh, and, and we, uh, again... We'll have to ask the question, are, are we giving a lot of the black coaches in this league a fair shot uh, to, to be a head man uh, on an NBA roster? Um, so that we'll leave that at that. Uh, when you look at what now Carl Towns has to deal with, I, I was I was thinking about him specifically because he's the leader of this team and his, his quotes came out and uh, he, he kind of had to be the franchise player that he is. Uh, in terms of the way that he spoke, he gave a lot of uh, praise to Vanderpool, but he also didn't, you know, um, he, he, he kind of towed the line, Scott. He, he didn't he didn't say anything bad about playing for Chris Finch. He's disappointed that Vanderpool didn't get the opportunity, but he's excited to play for Chris Finch. And I look at Towns' career now. He's going to be in his sixth season, or he is in his sixth season. He's been to the playoffs one time. It was a horrible showing for his team. And uh, he's had four head coaches now. This is going to be his fourth in six years. There's just been a lot of chaos for uh, for the Timberwolves with Towns on it, and he's just a uh, an all world talent. And you know, I'm not I haven't been the biggest Towns uh, you know cheerleader on the court, um, but as far as the guy goes, great guy. I love him, uh, and and he's actually turned me into uh, a fan of his. But this team is doing him a complete disservice, and they're and they're struggling right now to build around him. Is this going to be the opportunity where? Um, if you're Towns, you say to yourself, if this coach doesn't work out, I'm out of here. It, it's it's hard to speak on the coaching process because, like you said, there's so much that we don't know that goes behind the scenes. So so moving beyond that, I, I think one of the, the interesting things about Chris Finch is that even though he's never been a head coach in the NBA, he's worked with some of the best big men in the NBA as, as an assistant coach or an associate head coach. 
Um, in 2016-17, he spent one season with the Denver Nuggets, and that was kind of that season where Nikola Jokic kind of figured his thing, everything out. He became the fulcrum of that offense, and we kind of saw this, you know, wheeling and dealing center that we, we've really never seen before. Um, and then Chris Finch spent time with the New Orleans Pelicans when Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins were there. So he, he has a lot of experience working with, you know, super talented big men and figuring out how, because he, he's known as like this offensive, um, this, this offensive minded coach. And I, I think from that perspective, it, it could be good for Towns because when you look at him specifically in the rest of this roster, I think this roster is going to meet its full potential by being just just a dynamite offensive team because they have real limitations defensively built around D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So if he can kind of unlock that side of this roster, which obviously they're going to need everyone to be healthy to do, so it, it could take some time depending on how much time D'Angelo Russell misses and everything. I, I do think he could be an interesting kind of head coach for them in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, at some point you need some stability, right? And the last few years in Minnesota have been anything but stable um, with the coaches coming in and out. And we, I think they've what, they've made the playoffs once. Is that right? Since Towns has been there, that yep. that series um, that they played against the Rockets in the first round, Jimmy Butler was on that team. So, uh, I, unlike you, I, I've always been a big Carl Anthony Towns fan. I've always been sold on his talent. Yes, he has some limitations, specifically on the, de- uh, the defensive end of the court, but offensively, I, I think it, it's funny because I think you know three or four years ago. It, I don't think we would have necessarily said that Embiid and Jokic would be hands down the best centers in the NBA. I think Towns would have been that uh, player that we thought was going to kind of, you know, leading the leading the center position in the NBA, being in these MVP talks, just because he hit the ground running straight out of the NBA and was doing things that we really haven't seen uh, in a long time or ever from a center when you look at the way that he stretches the floor, the way that he can play inside out and everything like that. Um, so I hope for his sake, and, and he was an Iron Man the start of his career too. And the last couple seasons, I mean, he he had unfortunately had COVID nineteen to um, near the start of this season and missed time because of that. But he he's had some injuries over the last couple seasons, hasn't really been able to stay on the floor. So you know, obviously health is a big thing here. Um, Ken Finch kind of piece everything together because it, we I want to see Carl Anthony Towns playing on a competitive team again um, and being in the playoffs because because he's he's too good to kind of be playing on these teams that, that miss the playoffs every single year and in the lottery. I agree. It's 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 been tough uh tough go for for Cat. He's still having a decent season by uh you know mere mortal standards. Like he's still doing he's still twenty two and eleven, uh shooting forty percent plus from the three point line, uh and also fifty percent from the field. So He's working on a 50-40-90 season, <laughs> and 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 we're looking at it like a disappointment from him. Yeah, uh, that's the level of, uh, of of Towns, and and also he's giving you two blocks this year, so that's the level that Towns is playing at. Um, the problem, as you said, he, he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. Uh, COVID aside, he hasn't been able to stay on the floor last year, uh, and and now um, another coach coming in. Uh, it's going to be tough. We're we're not going to really understand or, or really truly see the potential of what Chris Finch can do with this team until probably next season. Uh, He's not going to be able to – they're in the middle of the year right now. Worst team in the NBA. They're not going to have practice time to really implement some of the sets that he's going to want to do. Um, The the second best player on the team arguably is not in the lineup, and and who knows when he's coming back. And then when he gets back, he's going to have to learn the system alongside everybody else with limited practice time. It's going to be tough to really truly see if Chris Finch can impact this team. So uh, the jury will be out and on this uh, on this decision, um, and you know, preach patience if you're a Timberwolves fan, <laughs> and uh, and hope that Carl Anthony Towns has as much patience as you do. Um, final story: the big man, uh, staying with the big man, um, Chris Porzingis in trade rumors again. Uh, it's reported that uh, league sources are saying the Mavs are quietly gauging the interest in Chris Porzingis, trying to find out what his trade value is. We must say that uh, owner Mark Cuban has came out and emphatically said, nah, that's not true. That's not happening. Whether you believe him or not, um, what do you make of the uh, now rumors again of Porzingis? If they're true, what what do you think he gets back? It's a, it's a really tough question to answer. I, I mean, I think at, at this point of his career, you know what you're going to get out of Chris Stapps Porzingis. You know, he, he's a seven-foot unicorn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do we? I mean, the dude. dude you I, talk about I, you talk about injury prone. I'm, this is I, I was getting there. I was getting okay. there. I look, he's he's a seven foot unicorn, a guy who's knocking on twenty points per game every single night. Um, can stretch the floor deep out to the three point line. Um, he, he, you know, he's he's a very good rim protector when he's healthy. 
but that's the big caveat, right? It's it's the fact that he always seems to be dealing with an injury. I mean, three he played 72 games in his rookie season. Since then, he's played 66 games, 48 games, 57 games, and then 17 games this season because he missed um, the start of the season after undergoing surgery on his knee, I believe it was, in the offseason. So he, he's just constantly injured. Um, and at his age, given his height and kind of the injuries that he's dealing with, um, I, I mean, I, I just... As talented as he is, I, I do wonder what kind of package, if the Mavericks were looking to move him, what would teams be willing to give up for him knowing all that? Um, and then at what point, if you're Dallas, you know, what, what is a good trade for him or good return for him and what's not, um, considering all those factors? So who knows if these rumors are true? Who knows if the Mavericks are actually, um, you know, listening to what, what teams might offer for him and if they're actually interested in trading for him? But it, it would be fascinating to kind of hear what kind of offer there is out there for him um, just because of all those factors. Any team that gives up uh, more than a bag of chips and a, a candy bar for Porzingis at this point is uh, is out of their mind. Um, he is a oh, great don't, player. Don't do that. Don't he do is that. a great player. Let me, let me finish. He's a, he's a great player. When he's playing, the, the injuries really concern me if I'm a GM. And then the fact that you're on the hook now to pay him till 2024 is insane. And it's not small pocket change either. It's over $30 million over the next uh, three seasons, um, including a player option for $36 million in that final year, yep. which he's absolutely going to take. So, I mean, th- that is where you get hurt, is the contract and the fact that you can't trust this guy to be on the floor night in, night out. Obviously, it's not all his fault. It's like he's doing it on purpose. We understand that. But sorry, like some players need to prove that they are healthy if you're going to go out there and give up assets for the future, especially because the Mavericks are not going to take back a like for a leg asset. They're going to be looking to, to, to not only get a veteran on their team now that's going to be able to play every day, but they're going to be looking for draft compensation. Let's face it, right? Like If you trade Porzingis and you don't get draft picks back, then the GM needs to lose their job, right? That's, that's just a bottom line. Well, so, draft picks or... Yeah, or an all-star or superstar in return, which it seems very unlikely that a team would do that given right. his injury history. Right, right. Like they're not getting back Bradley Beal, right? So it's not. No. It, it's going to be. It's going to be something lesser than. Um, and and when I mean lesser than, I mean that respectively in terms of a player, but also you, you're going to beef that up with the draft picks. So you can't, as a GM, give up draft picks, getting back Porzingis, knowing that seeing that his injury history is right there in front of you. And knowing that you can't really trust him to be an everyday player, and then knowing that it, deep into his contract, you're going to be paying that sort of money, and you may be stuck with that. Because once you get it, it's going to be tough to move that deal, especially if he's not playing every day. So I, I, I just, I just can't see myself giving up more than a bag of chips and, and, a, and a, you know, a candy bar for this guy right now. Right now, if he proves that he's he's better and and can stay on the floor healthy, then it's a completely different story. But he just hasn't proven it over the last his entire career, really, since his rookie year. Yeah, I, I, I will say that it feels like every single year we're talking about someone as being completely untradeable. Like the last few years, it was it was Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook just because of their contracts. And it seems like that that's just never the case. So I, I, as as difficult as it would be to trade for Paul Zingas with the amount of money left on his contract um, if he can't stay healthy, it, I, I, I ultimately think there's always going to be a trade out there if you really want to move someone. So I, I would just push back a little bit on that. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, this comes down to him having to prove himself um, to, to be able to stay healthy because otherwise, you know, availability is the best ability. So yeah. uh, unless that changes, it, it does seem like it's going to be hard for the Mavericks to get blown away by a deal for him. Yeah. By the way, I agree with you. I do think that there is someone out there silly enough to be able to take him. It just wouldn't be me. I, I wouldn't be giving up a ton for uh, Chris Porzingis in his current state. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, the All-Star Reserves. They're going to be announced today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, if you're not listening to the live show. So tonight uh, they will be announced on TNT. Uh, you can catch it on NBA League Pass around the world. Um, you have uh, put yourself out there, so I already know your picks. You, you've put yourself out there on NBA.com. You could head over there right now and read them. Scott has uh, joined up with a couple members of our staff to uh, to reveal their his all-star reserves. So take me through them. We'll start with the Western Conference first. Um, go ahead. There's a couple no-brainers, so we can speed through that. Yeah. But uh, really, the debate, the, debate, the debate gets started uh, with the wild card spot, I think. It does. So you get there's two guards, three front court players, and two wild cards. And, and just to be clear, the the media does not vote on reserves. Um, I, I don't have a vote anyway. But like the media is a part of the the starters. 
the head coaches vote for the reserves. So really, this means nothing. It's just an interesting and fun exercise. Right. But you get two guards, three front court players, two wild cards. For me, it was pretty easy um, until that last wild card spot. So I have Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell as the two guards, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert in the three front court spots. And for the two wild cards, for me, Chris Paul was a no-brainer. Um, it, that, that was an easy selection. That second one is difficult. I, I lean right now towards Zion Williamson for that last spot, but um, apologies to DeMar DeRozan, who's having a fantastic season. Devin Booker, who I think, not to spoil this conversation, but I think he would be my pick to replace Anthony Davis if he's not able to go. Um, and De'Aaron Fox and also Mike Conley, uh, you know, all, all of whom have had kind of all-star caliber seasons. So yeah, Chris Paul and Zion for me for those last two wildcard spots, but it, it's not particularly easy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like you. It's it's easy to pick the first five. Uh, the wild cards are where is where it gets uh, tricky. So I'm with you. Dame Lillard, no brainer. Donovan Mitchell, no brainer. Paul George, no brainer. Anthony Davis, even though he's hurt, no brainer. And Rudy Gobert, no brainer. Um, and then I had the toss up of what to do with the Phoenix Suns. Do you give them two? Do you give them one? Ultimately, I decided to just give them one. Um, I watched them closely. I was excited to watch that game against. Uh, Phoenix and Portland last night, uh, Monday night, if you're listening to this later on the week. It was a game that, in my mind, would have proven a lot to me about both teams. Phoenix blew them out, uh, and it wasn't even close. And I think that had more to do with Portland just not being fully healthy. Dame Lillard looked exhausted in that game. He just has to do so much uh, heavy lifting without C.J. McCollum and even Nurkic especially on offense it is unbelievable the amount of heavy lifting he has to do without any uh, real help on his on his side uh when he gets going offensively and i think phoenix really took advantage of that the way that that game started though uh it started really with devin booker setting the tone right off the jump and and he to me has turned the corner he now he now knows when to show up uh and knows what his responsibility is and i know that's a lot to do with chris paul and 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 really pushing him in the right direction and kind of giving him that mentorship but he's really turned the corner um all saying all that i don't i have left him off my all-star team uh i've gone with chris paul i just think that chris paul for the second year in a row has taken a team that had no business uh being where they are right now uh in in fourth in the western conference and he's just transformed the organization uh, Phoenix has been a dumpster fire for a long time, and Devin Booker was there. Mikael Bridges, who everyone loves, was there. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is the number one overall pick. They had the coach a year ago, and Chris Paul was the difference between them being uh, a lottery team and now challenging for one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. So Chris Paul gets my selection for the second wild card spot, and then it's a toss up between a lot of players. I went with Mike Conley in the end. Uh, and, and I'm kind of cheating here because I, I think Mike Conley deserves it. Uh, it's, it is a sentimental pick. I, I, uh, I don't think that there's ever going to be a season where Mike Conley is going to get as close as he's, he is right now uh, to, to making this team. The argument for Utah, they it's not that they're just the best team in the Western Conference. They are far and away the best team in the Western Conference right now. And I know that uh, you know they lost a game against the Clippers and on national TV. Um, but they're three and a half games right now ahead of second place. Uh, that I think has to account for something, especially this early in the season to have that sort of gap. It really means that you're dominating and we need to reflect that. And it's it's a team game. So I'm I'm giving the Jazz three all-stars, giving Mike Conley that second wildcard spot. And the only reason why I feel comfortable doing that is not because of any lack of respect to DeMar DeRozan or anything like that, but I know that Anthony Davis won't be playing in the game or likely won't be playing in the game. So either DeMar or Zion will make the team, uh, you know, via the commissioner, most likely Zion, because I'm sure people will want to see him in the all-star game. So I, I feel confident putting Mike Conley in there because I think that the commissioner will will uh, will have a selection to make and he'll probably end up putting in Zion or DeMar DeRozan, one of the two snubs that I've left off. I, I understand the, the Conley debate and the selection. I, I do. He, he's long been a fascinating player or, or a fantastic player. There's very little he can't do on the basketball court. He's efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. He, he just makes winning plays. He's a good defender. You look at all the advanced statistics this season and they scream that he's like the difference maker on that team or, or he's the player who's elevating them to this elite level. So I, I think from all that, it, it, it's fair to have him on this team. The one thing, the, the, the two things that I can kind of, I kind of struggle with him is one, he doesn't really have 
the stats of an all-star, um, which, you know, I, I don't put like a ton of credence in that, but it, when you're comparing him to players like a Zion Williamson or a Devin Booker, like he doesn't just carry quite the same load as those players do. And I think that matters in this conversation. And also, to be quite frank, I have no idea what to make of the six games that he only recently come back, that he missed, that he only recently came back from, and the Jazz just beating the the Celtics without him, the Bucks without him, the 76ers without him, and the Clippers, although I think the Clippers were without Paul George and Kawhi in that game. Um, they also beat the Miami Heat, the Indiana Pacers, and all but one of those games was decided by double figures. So they just blew those teams out, very good teams, without Mike Conley. So I, I don't really know what to do with that. And ultimately, like that just sits kind of badly with me when it comes to his all-star case. And it's it's hard for me to choose him over someone else, um, given those factors. And also, I, I'm just not necessarily, I, I'm not a fan of sentimental picks. Like, I, I understand that Mike Conley is going to be remembered potentially as, you know, the, the, the best player to never be an all-star. But I don't think that's a reason that we should give it over to him over players that might be more deserving. And personally, I think there are players more deserving. Um, so he just missed the cut for me. But like, I, I, I do think that he suddenly has a case. Um, there's no denying that. Yeah, he definitely has a case. And yes, I, I did say it is a sentimental pick, but it's not the only reason why uh, I would select him. As you said, I think he is one of the main reasons why the Jazz are always going to be a good team, whether he, he played at this level or not. But him getting to back to being Mike Conley or close to the version of what we saw of him in Memphis is the reason why the Jazz are now an elite team. And we're now having conversations of whether or not, hey, can this team surprise people and get to the get through the Western Conference and make the finals? You know, if the Lakers aren't fully healthy, can the Jazz upset them? And then on the number side, like there's in the history of the NBA, we have seen multiple players make the all-star team from one team, right? Like it's normally uh, if a team is head and shoulders above the rest, we'll go down to, to the list and say it, it's the one all-star, which in this case would be Donovan Mitchell that I think or Rudy Gobert, wherever you set, is uh, is a no-brainer. And then the two other guys kind of deserve to, 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 to make the team as well because the team is that good. The last couple of years, we, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks uh, you know, really break out. And the conversation was, well, Giannis is always going to start, no question about it. Then you have Chris Middleton there. And then there's a conversation to be like, hey, is Eric Bledsoe deserving of making the All-Star team? He obviously but he didn't. Did, but, but he didn't make it. Yeah, he didn't make it. Right, he didn't. But there was a conversation about it. Prior to that, it, we would look at what the Golden State Warriors did. They were far, far and away, uh, uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And you looked at the team, then you said to yourself, all right, there's obviously there's Clay, there's obviously Steph, there's obviously Kevin Durant. All of those guys are putting up all-star numbers. But hey, Draymond Green is just as important to the team as those other three guys are. And even before Kevin Durant arrived, Draymond Green was just as important to the team as those other two guys are. His numbers weren't screaming all-star numbers. He wasn't his counting numbers weren't screaming all-star numbers, but he you knew the importance that he brought to the table and the advanced stats were there. So and and, and you go even further back, manage nobly, same situation. He made the all-star team once in his career. He was far and away uh, as important or his, his impact rather was as important as whatever Tim Duncan and, and Tony Parker were doing, even though the numbers didn't show that in terms of counting stats. So there is history that shows that that third guy that comes off the team or, or makes the team rather doesn't always have to have the all-star numbers but the impact is felt and it's kind of shared across the board so that's why I'm, I say that Mike Conley is deserving and also um, I know that Anthony Davis isn't playing so I'm, I'm, I'm using the cheat code here and and, and allowing Zion or or uh, DeMar Rosen to be selected by the uh, the commissioner. So that's I can't believe you. I can't believe you used the Warriors comparison. <laughs> I mean, the, the two greatest shooter, potentially the three greatest shooters of all time, hey. two of the best scorers of all time, and then the best defender at the time in the league in Draymond Green. Like well, it's a completely it, different is, conversation. Wait a Come second, on. is Mike Conley not important defensively to the uh, to, yeah. the, to the, uh, one look, of the best teams look, defensively in the league right now? He's one of the but best this is the whole defenders. Thing. Yeah, that's fine. He's a really good defender. He's long been a really good defender, one of the best defenders at the guard position. But there's still a very big difference between a really good defender and arguably the best defender in the league and a one-time defensive player of the year. That's all I'm saying. Like, Rudy Gobert is the, the heartbeat of that team defensively. If right. anything, like, Rudy Gobert's all-star case is, is kind of in that Draymond Green mold. In that, like, his numbers, I mean, he's averaging a double-double in two blocks a game or whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. he, he does have the numbers to be in this discussion, absolutely. Um, but he, he's kind of more of that, like, Draymond Green defensive-minded all-star that we're talking about here. Um, Mike Conley is just kind of like the glue that, that, that 
puts everything together. Um, I, I'm not denying that he is tremendously important to this team and that he does elevate them to another level. I mean, I, I was super high on the Jazz last year because I thought the addition of him would just kind of get everyone in their positions and kind of um, sort out like the, the hierarchy with the Jazz and, and just just fill in all those little pieces. But I just, I just, it's just hard for me. Like he, he's still on that list for me of guys like just missing the cut. But it's just hard for me to put Mike Conley over guys like DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, um, or De'Aaron Fox. That's, that's all I'm saying. Not that hard for me. I, I just laid it out. I, and those, by the way, those are a couple teams I just picked out. We could go even further back and talk about the Pistons that had uh, you know a couple all-stars from their squad make it. I, I, there's a year where Chauncey Billups... Uh, you know, made it for for the Detroit Pistons and probably didn't really have any business making it. Um, you mean the, the guy who won Finals MVP one time in his career? That's fine. He could. What are we, what are we doing here? What he, what does Finals MVP have to do with making the All Star team? I mean, if you're Finals MVP, you're I, I, look. That's not to say Chauncey Billups was the best player in the league that season, but if you're Finals MVP, like that, that's a big deal. But that doesn't have anything, have anything to do with making the All Star team. That has nothing to do with making the All Star team. No, it doesn't. But you're just the, the way he said that was kind of just like, oh, Chauncey Billups, you know. I understand. Chauncey Billups was a really good player. He was like he was a really good player, but he, he was he he made the team because that team was so good. It wasn't that his numbers were out of the water or blowing anybody out of the water. When you're talking about all star caliber numbers, it was just he was really good that year, uh, or the team rather was really good that year. And you couldn't take him away from. Uh, he was a part of it, so you couldn't take him away of that. And, and same with Rasheed Wallace and, and Ben Wallace. Like they, they're they're four all stars were the reason why their team was so good. And I think that the Jazz is three all stars or potentially three all stars are the reason why the Jazz are blowing everybody on the water. You're not. I'm not asking for Joe Ingles to make the team. All right, so relax. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe Ingles is really good too. I <laughs> I do want to say, look, I, I've I've long been a fan of Mike Conley. It, it would he seems like a guy who really wants to be an all star. Um, which I, I like to see. I, I love it when guys are actually excited about being All-Stars. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember yeah. Rudy Gobert a few years ago when he um, when he got very emotional when he didn't make the All-Star team, I think it was two years ago, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. And people were making fun of him. And like, I, I just, I didn't understand that. Like, it, it is so cool to me to see these guys who are so invested in their craft um, play this this sport for a living and do it at such a high level that they're so invested in it that they get upset or they really want something. Like, I, I appreciate that. So from that perspective, like you said, like there is a sentimental element to here that it would be awesome to see Mike Conley play um, or get the selection. It's just there's just too many factors here, and for me, he just can't quite make the cut. I, I feel like we could go on and on about this for like two more hours, so we we, we yeah. might need to move on. Yeah, we, we're moving on. The one last thing I will say is that if the Sixers, Nets, the Bucks deserve two All Stars because of their record, then what about the Jazz? The Jazz are far and away better teams. Uh, have a better record than all those three teams that I just named. Now, I understand they're in the Eastern Conference, but it's the same thing. You, you, you have to if they're if they're saying that Chris Middleton makes the All Star team because you got to reward winning. Same with uh, the three Net Stars. Well, Net Stars are out of, out of it, but the Sixers. If you're putting Ben Simmons in there because you got to reward winning, then what about the Utah Jazz? Best record in the NBA by far. If you line up the records from top to bottom and re remove conferences, there's there's five teams in between what the Jazz are and what the Sixers are. Like uh, so, let's. Not Knock it off. So, so Tobias Harris is on your Eastern Conference uh, reserves. Is that what you're telling no, me? No, he's not. He's not. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you are giving Ben Simmons uh, the nod because the Sixers have a great record, uh, then I don't know. Okay, I, I, I want Mike Conley to uh, to get that same respect. That's all. Okay, let's go through these then because I have Ben Simmons on my uh, on my yeah, ballot. Let's switch to, to, these. To let's switch to okay, these. the Eastern so again, uh, reserves. Go ahead. Yeah. So again, it's two guards, two front court, two two wild cards. Uh, a couple of easy ones for me, James Harden, Jalen Brown. We spoke about them a lot the last couple of weeks when we were talking all-star starters. I had James Harden as a starter um, last week, so that's a no-brainer. Jalen Brown, you had him as a starter, no-brainer there. The the three forward spots are really tough. I, I think Jason Tatum was the easiest one for me to talk myself into. Um, I have Chris Middleton as one of those other forward spots. Uh, by the way, not just rewarding him for being on one of the best teams in the league. He's averaging 21 points, six rebounds, six assists, shooting 50, awesome. 40, 19 nearly. He's, he's just awesome. And he's tapered off a little bit lately um, during that, that Bucks losing streak. He, he struggled. Um, so I, I think there's something there, something to be said there. But ultimately, I, I, just, I just think Chris Milton's one of the best forwards in the Eastern Conference, and he deserves this. Um, the other one for me, I went with Bam Adebayo. Really tough between him, Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis this season. That If you look at their per 36-minute stats, they're, they're almost identical, uh, which, which is just crazy. And, and to me, I just ultimately went with Bam. 
because one, I, I just think he's he's the better player all around than than both of them, and I also think he's the far superior defender. Like he he's one of the few five positional defenders in the league. He's just a monster on that end of the court, and I think that matters. Which brings me to Ben Simmons. I, I have him as one of the wild cards, but he was also a pretty easy selection for me. Not just because the 76ers are the first uh, at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. His offensive stats, he got off to a slow start this year, but he's really picked it up lately. He had that huge game against the Jazz where I, I've never seen him play as aggressively as he did in that game offensively. And it was it was really good to see. He missed a couple games after that, but that in his return against the Raptors on Sunday, he, he looked like he was still in attack mode. And I think when Ben Simmons is playing like that, that alone makes him an all-star, even without factoring in that he, he might be the, the front runner for defensive player of the year right now. If he's not, I think he's second behind Rudy Gobert. Speaking of five positional, you know, five position defenders, he can guard guards, forwards, some centers. He's just a monster on that end of the court. And you know, I, again, I'm not rewarding the 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 76ers for being at the top of the East by having Ben Simmons on this roster. Like he, he's he defense matters, and I think it's really easy to overlook that stuff. And he kind of gets onto this ballot on the strength of that for me. Um, the last spot, like the West, was really tough. I I. Uh, I went with Zach Levine, ultimately. There's th- there's definitely a case against him. Like, the, the on-off numbers gave me pause because the Bulls have actually been quite a bit better with him on the bench this season by net rating. But it's hard for me to put too much stock into that when watching him, he looks like an all-star. Like, he, he's, he's kind of trimmed some of the fat off of his game. He's much more efficient. I mean, he's averaging, like, 28 points a game this season, just absurd efficiency across the board. Um, so I, I ultimately went with him. The one player, and I know we're going to talk about this, the one player that I, I went back and forth on for that last spot was Fred VanVleet. And, you know, <laughs> I know we just spent a long time talking about Mike Conley. And in some aspects, Fred VanVleet's case is similar argument. to his. It's not the right. same. It's, it's similar. But I just think defensively, I, I mean, I think he's better than Mike Conley at this stage of his career. He, he's become one of the most disruptive defenders in the league. He's basically at the top of the league right now in steal, total steals and deflections. He's also second on the Raptors in blocks, um, which makes absolutely no sense. And some of those I would categorize as steals. But either way, he, he's just a monster off-ball defender. And his efficiency isn't where it should be for an all-star, I don't think, in terms of scoring. But I think he's second on the Raptors with with like 20 points per game. He's leading them in assists. He's third in the league in minutes. And he's played in... I think every game for the Raptors, if he hasn't, he's missed just one. So he's just carrying a huge load for them. Uh, he obviously had that that 50-point game against the Magic, which which was historic. So, and, you know, the Raptors, after a really slow start, are now fourth in the East. I think it is that they just moved past the Celtics with that win against the 76ers on Sunday. Um, so he, Van Vliet was a really tough one for me to leave off. I, I still had Zach Levine over him, but I, I did go back and forth on, on Van Vliet. I agree with you for a lot of what you said. I I had James Harden and Jalen Brown starting, so uh, they were obviously going to make my reserve side. Uh, Jason Tatum was no brainer. Those are the three no brainers for me. And then I really debated about the rest. Um, I ended up going Middleton. I agree with you. Middleton deserves to make the All Star team. I think you still having the if you were having a similar season to what you had the year prior, and you were an All Star then, and your team's relatively in the same spot. Even though I don't really take look at records and take them into account, I'm going to give the edge in a debate to the All Star that's already been. Um, So Middleton gets it for me. Um, I went Sabonis. I, I think that a lot of people are overlooking. And again, if you're an all-star of the year before and you're you're in a better situation than what you were the season before, I don't know how I can leave you off. And um, Indiana obviously isn't blowing everybody away, but they're right there in the mix. You know, they're they're right there uh, in the thick of things when you look at what's happening in the Eastern Conference. No one wants to talk about them, um, but Sabonis having a better year than he did a season ago. Uh, he's been relatively as efficient, and he's actually taking threes this year, which he wasn't taking last season, getting to the line more. He's, he's taking on the responsibility of being like, hey, I'm the guy now. Yes, I was an all-star last year, kind of borderline, but now I'm the guy, and the, the Pacers are right there in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. So uh, I went to bonus. This is where I struggled. Um, Julius Rand, it was three spots left. Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Ben Simmons, and then you have the guards. Uh, Levine and, and and even Trey Young, um, yeah. which I don't think you really went into uh, too too much, but I, I went ended up going with Simmons. I ended up going with Julius Randle, and I ended up going with Bam Adebayo. And I think I went with those three players because to me, 
Um, they they have been more consistent from the start of the season to where we are right now. Julius Randle's been incredible, man. Like I, the Knicks are not not supposed to be even in the playoff picture right now. Everyone was expecting this to be a rebuild year for him uh, for the team, and I don't think people realize how well he's been playing um, and the jump that he's made and the in- improvements he's made into his game. It's one thing to to kind of go out and say, all right, he, he's averaging more points, maybe he's getting more opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. But it's how he's getting those opportunities. He's he's assisting. Uh, he's averaging five and a half assists per game. Like, like Scott, five and a half assists per, per game. Uh, he's going out of his way to rebound. Uh, he's scoring efficiently. They're asking him at the end of games to, to, to make plays, and he's doing that. And there was no real true number two on the team. I know R.J. Barrett is, is having some up and down uh, you know time in the season, but it's, it's Julius Randle, and he is having to go out every night on one of the worst offensive teams in the league and deliver, uh, and, and the Knicks <laughs> the Knicks are winning games. I, I had to put Julius Randle in there because he, he's been incredible this season. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't known for his defense, uh, but he's he's getting better defensively. So uh, he's not a revolving door. Tibbs is putting him in situations where he's not getting exposed defensively. So I want Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, um, incredible. You know, he, He's been awesome this season. Again, another player that's gotten better and uh, really had to hold it together for Miami to still be in a spot that they are in to make a push for a playoff spot this uh, without all the uh, you know the injuries they've, and health and safety protocols that they've had to go gone through. And then Simmons, like you said, one of the best defenders in the league. So I, I've uh, I've added him to to my list. So no Zach Levine. I don't think uh, even the Bulls. The Bulls are playing really well. I, I think that it's just too packed. The talent level is just too packed to have Zach Levine. But he would be my next on. If I had to order it, it'd be Trey Young, or sorry, Zach Levine, Trey Young, and then Fred Van Vliet for me in that order. If I had to add people on, um, I don't think I'd left anyone off that I, or yeah, I don't think I left anyone else off if, if I'm looking at the list. The one thing I will say about the Van Vliet thing is um, Siakam deserves some credit too for what the Raptors have done uh, and their turnaround this season as well. He's only missed two games. It's not like he's uh, missed a ton of games and his numbers are you know comparable to what it was a year ago when he was an all-star starter. Obviously, the record is different, but if you're judging based off of the success of the team and, and telling me that the workload is there and everything else, yes, Van Vliet has been terrific, but he's not doing it alone. Siakam's doing it as well. So again, I'm going to lean towards the guy that has already the all-star starting experience or just all-star nod, and I would have I would have went with Siakam over Van Vliet. That's me. Um, real quick on, on Randall, by the way, he, he was a tough omission for me. It, it's funny when you look at the on off stats, like they're, they're crazy. The, the Knicks are basically the same defensively with and without him, but offensively, they're scoring 108.6 points per 100 possessions with him and 99.7 without him. Like that's, they, they just can't get a bucket basically when he's not on the court. Um, yeah. And another and crazy thing about worse- him teams in the league offensively right like they're struggling to get yeah. to 100 points uh on a, on a nightly basis and if it's not for randall they don't get there and the other thing about him is he's just been he's he's been automatic from mid-range this season like he's he's 72 for 147 from mid-range so 49 percent um which is just absolutely nuts so <laughs> he, he was he was a tough omission for me um, one player we have to mention because I didn't mention him, you didn't mention him, and he's absolutely in this mix is Nikola Vucevic, who, right. unfortunately for You're him, right. the Magic just haven't been good this season. But I mean, he's the only reason that they're in games some nights because he he does absolutely everything everything for them offensively, and he's one of those guys that like if the Magic were a bit better or if he was on another team and he was doing this, we, we'd probably have him in as a no-brainer. Um, it, it's just, it's a really crowded field, especially at that, that front court position in these two conferences this season. And, and it's just it's just hard for me to give him, give him that nod over some of the other guys that we've mentioned. But he, he absolutely deserves um, some consideration. Other than that, I think we've pretty much mentioned everyone, at least everyone that I, I considered for these spots. Again, that, that last spot was hard. I think you're right in mentioning Pascal Siakam. He, he got off to a really slow start this season and it was very easy for, for people to, you know, he, he was kind of a punching bag to begin with because he struggled in the bubble. Then he got off to a slow start this season and everyone was, you know, where, where is the guy who was the starter in the All-Star game last season? Where's he gone? Uh, but he's been fantastic ever since, I think, the Raptors' first road trip. Yeah, you know, he, he's improved as a passer, I think. His three-point shot's still not there, but he's getting to the basket aggressively. He's played much better against good teams this season, which is something mm-hmm. that he struggled with last season. 
Um, and, and our NBA.com's uh, Kyle Irving, one of our colleagues, made a good point that I think if we were having this conversation in two weeks, um, based on the way that the Raptors are going and where some of these other teams in the Eastern, Eastern Conference are going, we, we'd probably be really debating about whether or not Van Vliet or Siakam are, are a no-brainer on this this roster for the All-Star team. Because, again, they got off to a really slow start this season, but they're peaking. And um, it, it is one of those things in a couple weeks' time, like it might look weird not having one of them represented on this team. But right now, it's it's just it's hard to, to take one of them over, over a Zach Levine for me. Um, or what sounds like a Julius Randle for you. Um, yeah, the, 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 again, it kind of came down to one spot in the Western Conference for me, but the East, like, there, there were a good three or four players that I felt really bad about leaving off on this because they, they deserve yeah. it. And any yeah. other year, they would get it, I think. You're absolutely right. And I, and I do apologize to Nikola Vucevic and his fans for, uh, for not uh, mentioning him. Dude's having you... the best season of his career. I wasn't even dreaming about him. He's, he's incredible right now. Um, unfortunately, the Magic haven't uh, been great yeah i was gonna say i think you need to you owe him an apology for butchering his name like that too i did i fixed it i fixed it i did it <laughs> he did you did, did. <laughs> uh, all right speaking of Vucevic, he he's uh one of the, the many names that i'm sure will come up over the next month uh the trade deadline is around the mm. corner um uh, march 25th 25th is the trade deadline um and here we go scott it is crazy season in a year where uh, and you mentioned Kyle uh, Kyle Irving earlier um, I gotta give him another shout out here Kyle Irving NBA.com's Kyle Irving uh, said to us that uh, he feels as though a lot of teams um, because the, the standings are so bunched up a lot of teams aren't really sure whether or not they're in buy or sell mode um, which kind of leads to either a crazy deadline or a deadline uh, that looks like the MLB deadline that it, it just didn't have much um, so it, look at these teams um, and, and give me one uh, from the Western Conference that you think might be in the market to buy and get to the next level uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, it's interesting that we we started this this podcast talking about Paul Zingas because I think the, the Mavs could be looking to make a move uh, potentially. Other than them, I, I don't know if they're going to make a move, the, but I think the one team that I would like to see be aggressive at the trade deadline is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, just because, I mean, I, I don't know if there's there's anyone who likes Nikola Jokic as much as I do in this world. And he's having an MVP caliber season. I want to see them being better than 16 and 14. Um, you know, I, I, I've dreamt about them trading for Bradley Beal, getting James right. Harden, you know, a- adding another superstar to this core. Um, and they certainly have some intriguing pieces on that roster to be aggressive at the trade deadline. But it just depends on, you know, do they play the long game? Because um, their core is still quite young. Like the, the the best is yet to come for this team. I think it's fair to say. Um, but you know, based on how things are in the Western Conference, maybe a move moves them up to that Utah Jazz, Clippers, Lakers group rather than being in this you know fighting for the play-in tournament right now. So they're a team that I've I've always kind of got circled as a team that could potentially make a big move, um, which I would like to see. Beyond that, I I don't really know. Like the I don't see the Jazz making a big move. I don't see the Lakers being making a big move, really. Um, the Suns, no. The Blazers, I think they're just kind of treading water until everyone gets back healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, may- maybe the Clippers go after a point guard, but I don't think they really have the assets to be aggressive and make a big move. Um, right. That might be more in like the buyout market or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little tricky in the Western Conference. The one team that I do, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think there's a big move out there in the Western Conference, but one team that I do see maybe really picking up the phones and working it over the next month or so to, to improve their stock is the Pelicans. I, I think that um, there's one thing to say about like being patient with Ingram and, and Zion and, and kind of waiting to figure it out, but they just have so many young assets that they can be in the market to try and get vets to add to this team. This team is, is talent-wise on paper should be better than what they are, right? But they're just not because they, they have too many young guys that really just don't know how to win outside of uh, you know JJ Redick and and really that's it. Like the the, the other guys are, are you don't have many guys that have been to to the NBA Finals, right? Like JJ Redick and then they're taking cues from their coach Stan Van Gundy. I would and, I would and like Stephen to Adams. get Stephen Adams too. He 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 went on some he's deep never runs been, with that Thunder team. He hasn't been to the Finals, but he went on some deep. 
Yeah, but he was on that team that you know nearly beat the Warriors and went to the final. Like he, he's gone on deep playoff runs, been a part of competitive teams. So I, I, I just right, think you have to I, mention him. All right, I'll mention Stephen Adams. But outside of that, there's not much. Like they're 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 expecting a lot from young players, uh, and I, they're still trying to figure it out. And maybe they allow their their young core to grow. But I wouldn't be shocked uh, because they have so many assets and so many tradable pieces and 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 friendly contracts. It's not like they have a, a bunch of guys that have. That are making a ton of money um, that they would be dangling in front of other teams. So um, I think maybe Stephen Adams is the most paid player, the highest paid player on that team now. His, his, his deal, yeah. So outside a of hair him, above a hair above Ingram, right? Outside of him, well, they're not moving Ingram. So outside no. of him, um, you're, you're really looking at some guys that uh, can get you back some assets in return. And um, I, you, you know, I'm a big Josh Hart fan, probably one of the biggest of all time. So. Uh, I am a guy that uh, thinks that you know you can move Josh Hart and maybe get yourself a vet. Uh, he's he's valuable, but there there there's something you can do there in New Orleans, um, and and they do have draft capital that they can also move. So there's something that you could do there in New Orleans that might get you to the bottom of the Western Conference, and then and then instead of playing in the play-in game. So that's the team that I look forward in the, in the Western Conference. Uh, out East, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a team out there that uh, that that really stands out to me. That would have to make a move. I want to see the Pacers healthy. Um, I would. I would love to see that team healthy to see truly what they have. I don't think we'll get it. Um, the Celtics are. They're always going to be in trade rumors. We had a huge discussion this morning on our morning phone call uh, with our NBA.com staff about what the Celtics should do uh, and 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 really what is a trade exception worth. Uh, so I won't take us back down that path because we're all Celtics <laughs> out. But uh, what, what the Knicks strike me as a team that, that would be the team that would uh, kind of go out there and, and, and pick up something just to, to ensure themselves a playoff spot because they haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. Things are good in, in New York. Uh, and and uh, the Nets are stealing a lot of headlines. As you know, that's very important in New York City. you got to get the headlines and, and everything else in the, uh, in the papers. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks went out of their way to make a deal that they probably don't need to make. Yeah, I don't know if I would have had them uh, headlining this group of teams in the East, but uh, they could make a move. For me, it's it's more... I, I'm really interested to see what the Raptors do because they, they kind of have found their stride lately and they're looking more like that team that we, we saw last year that just surpassed everyone's expectations. But if there's one weakness that they have, it's at the center position because Aaron Baines hasn't lived up to expectations um, since they signed him. And as incredible as Chris Boucher is, um, you know, he, he's a most improved and a six man of the year candidate. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, he, he's just not, he's not a prototypical center. Like he, he, he's too small. He's built more like a power forward. And that's certainly, there's a huge role in this team regardless of that. But I do think they could be, you know, they could do with someone who is better equipped to go up against a Joel Embiid, even though Baines did really well against him on Sunday. We'll see if he can do it again um, today on Tuesday. But I, I do think they can kind of upgrade that sense of position. And I, I wonder how aggressively they're going to go about that. Obviously, they've been linked. Um, Sham Sharani of the, the Athletic mentioned that they were kind of in discussions or had discussions where, um, with the Cavaliers about potentially trading for Andre Drummond. I don't know how much I believe that just because I don't know if they have the assets to really pull that trade off because they really have to get rid of at least one player who's in their rotation and, and doing a lot for their team right now. So so. I, I do wonder how if that's actually a possibility, but you know maybe another center becomes available, um, and they can kind of swoop in and, and sign them. I, I'm very curious to see also what the Sixers and the Bucks do, because they're both the Sixers have been awesome this season. The Bucks they've not been quite as good as I think everyone expected them to, but I do wonder with how with where the Nets are trending, and I think. I really do think the Nets are the best team in the East. Um, and they're only going to be, as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, they're just going to be so hard to slow down. I do wonder if either of those teams look at themselves and think that they do need to make one more move. Uh, what that move is, I don't know. But if they need to make one more move to kind of get up to that level and give them a better chance of coming out of the Eastern Conference. I, uh, You know I haven't been the most uh, the Bucks supporter here on this podcast. I will say um, that they have not had Drew Holiday for a long time, and they're a completely yep. different team when he's playing. So I do think that their struggles has a lot to do with that because they've lost all their depth that they were crushing teams with the last two years. 
to get Drew Holiday. And now, uh, you know, they're digging deep into their bench. And when Giannis sits or when Middleton's on the floor by himself or vice versa, the, the, the pieces out there with those two guys just isn't the same. And, and Lopez has taken a, a step back as well. So um, they're... I don't want to say they're a worse team than they were they were uh, two years ago because I don't know. I think they're definitely a worse regular season team. I don't know they're what they are team. in the playoffs. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what they are in the playoffs. I think they are a better playoff team, though, than they were the last two years because I think Drew Holiday gives them just another – well, first of all, he's, he's, he's ten times better than Eric Bledsoe in, in the half court. Let's just get that out of there. Um, so, it, it, and, uh, and as, as good as Eric Bledsoe is defensively, Drew Holiday is I, – I, I just feel more comfortable with Drew Holiday on both ends of the floor. Um, so they're already a better team just with that swap, but it's just their depth for me that just isn't there. Like I love Divincenzo, but he, to see him play 35 minutes, for, you know, it's going to be tough in the playoffs if that's what they have to get out of him. Well, that's um, the thing. Um, do do you upgrade that position, for example? Do you right. know what I mean? And again, I, I don't know if they have what kind of assets they have or, or how None. good of a play they could get in return. None. I mean, it's they have all in some- New Orleans. Yeah, but I mean, they could still make a move. They still have some stuff on their roster that they can move um, to try and upgrade, which would probably hurt their depth even more. But I, I do wonder if that's kind of the spot that they look to upgrade um, to kind of get themselves back at that level of the 76ers and Nets. Although I do agree with you. I, I do think they're better equipped for the playoffs. Um, I mean, Drew Holiday is another guy who I've always just been a huge fan of. Um, and the, the numbers with him are pretty impressive when he's on the court this season. So... Hopefully he's back soon and we can kind of get a better sense of what this team is capable of. The Bucks do have a bag of chips and a candy bar that they could call Dallas and offer. For, uh, for <laughs> there you Persinus. go. <laughs> so they, they, at least, they at least have that. I wanted to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, but we're, we're, we're out of time. I don't want to rush this discussion. So we'll table it and, and save it for next week. And uh, I'll let you ponder on uh, the question of whether or not they can win just by beating everybody offensively the way they have been so far. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that next week a little bit more in depth because there's some numbers that I want to dig into and, and get your opinion on. Um, so that's it for us this week. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay reminding you, if you haven't uh, already, subscribe, rate, and review NBA Sound System wherever you get your podcasts. Check out NBASoundSystem.com, of course. And keep it locked here every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, across the NBA Global Networks. It is NBA Sound System LIV Live. We will see you next week.